0: Happy Friday, this is Football Social Daily, the only Premier League podcast that keeps you up to date every single day of the Premier League season with the latest news, gossip and transfer news from the English top flight. I'm Jim Salverson, that's Marley Anderson, that's Virgil Brennan and that is Steve McNaughton. Hello. Hey, Hello, Hello guys. Today we're going to be talking about Jordan Henderson, a rare assist and an even rarer goal for the Liverpool midfielder last night in their 2-1 win over Wolves. But is there a more underrated player? in the Premier League than him right now. We'll get onto that shortly. It's FA Cup weekend this weekend as well, so we're going to try and identify which ties are worth keeping an eye on and why. Plus... With seven days left of the January transfer window, it's payday for a whole load of people right across the UK. But does that mean it's also payday for Premier League chairman? And they're going to put their hand in their pockets. And finally, we're going to start seeing some clubs splashing the cash. We're going to take a look at the latest deals and pending transactions that are doing the rounds on the back page of the papers as well, including the latest on that Manchester United deal for a certain Mr Bruno Fernandes. But... As it's Friday. Every gonna... day. <laughs> it's not Friday every day. It's <laughs> Friday one day a week. Uh, we're going to kick off with a little bit of a review. And this one is from Stateside and a fella called The Dream 8118. He says... My favourite podcast, which is nice. He also says, thank you to everyone for putting the time in and the effort into this podcast. It's the best way to catch Premier League updates and learn a little bit about footballing culture along the way. So thank you for all the hard work. Nice one. He also then says, it's from Chicago with love from a man in an Arsenal dressing gown. So as we do today's podcast, (laughs) I want us all to think about the dream 8118 in his gunner's gown. As we tackle today's topic, <laughs> in fact, tackle is not the right word to, to use.
3: I wonder how many people ever listen to us like with while wearing a dressing gown. I wonder how, I bet
0: there's I bet there's a few. Do you reckon?
1: Yeah, oh, it can't be a few. more
0: than you think, maybe. You go deep, Marley. Who has a dressing <laughs> gown in this room? Me. Is everyone in a dressing gown? I, no, every,
3: sorry. Every time I get home, I'm in my dressing gown.
0: Fergal just strides because around <laughs> his flat. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, just, Absolute yeah. stark <laughs> as yeah. Yeah. Right. Just drip yeah. dry out the shower. Let's move on. Quickly, let's move on. <laughs> <quickly>. <laughs> let's move on. Uh, if you do want to leave us a review, by the way, you can do so however you listen to podcasts. And if you do leave us a review, good or bad, you might get a shout out on the podcast as well. So get to it. And let's kick off with Liverpool. And their captain, Jordan Henderson. Now, their run of unbeaten games is now extended to 40. Ridiculously after last night's 2-1 win over Molyneux. It was inspired by Jordan Henderson, who bagged a goal and an assist. But is Jordan Henderson the most underrated player in the Premier League right now? I'm going to let you start This one, Fergal. uh, Not Fergal, sorry. Marley. Because I (laughs) know how difficult it is for Marley to say anything positive about Liverpool whatsoever. So I want you to sing the praises of Jordan Henderson. Most underrated player in the Premier League? It's a double-edged sword here because,
3: like, well, you've just thrown that on me that I don't like to praise Liverpool players. There's one thing I don't like to do is praise ex-Sunderland players that are doing quite well. (laughs) Um, No, he is. It's just his performances, like, when he takes it to England, like, you tend to sort of him like I don't watch Liverpool every week, but I know he's he's excellent in that Liverpool team because they all play the sort of same way. Um, and then when he moves on to internationally, it, it's kind of different because he's playing with probably worse team, like new teammates and stuff like that, and what have you. Um, but he's been he's been great for Liverpool this season. He has been uh, he's been covering for Fabinho in that defensive like anchor man kind of role. Um, and then last night he's popped up with two with uh, two game winning contributions. So. Yeah, he's doing well. Doing doing good, unfortunately. <laughs> Him and Jordan Pickford are on Mersey side and all the X Pickford's are, balancing that out though a bit more the know, you know, well he's doing. One's doing well, banging in headers, one's got tiny arms and can't keep them all up in it.
0: <laughs> You mentioned the England thing, and surely the reason and you kinda of hinted at it, the reason you're probably best placed to answer this one, Steve, as a Liverpool fan. The reason he isn't as good for England and he's got better for England than he is for Liverpool is because at Liverpool, there is so much flair around him. There's so much ability around him. And he kind of acts in the middle of the park as the solid, kind of the metronome of the team, just mm. keeping things ticking over. And that's what he does really well because he has, doesn't have to do anything else.
1: Mm. Yeah, I think that's the, you've just nailed it when you've just said that. Um, he's just like, that unsung... I mean, what did um, Cantona call Champs years ago? The water carrier, the water didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, very much that kind of role, I think, you know in the England team and... Nothing spectacular, nothing too extravagant, just gets the job done. And the fact that he's just won you know, England's Player of the Year shows that you know people are starting to appreciate the work that he does do for the national team as well. Um, and I just think it's it's really really good to see because the lad has had so many critics over the years. And you know, we we, had, we did the episode episode on Monday and we talked about heroes and mine. I said that Jordan <laughs> Henderson was my hero mm. uh, for his performance against Man United on Sunday and. He's just kind of kicked on multiple levels, and he's got a manager that that complements his game. And but I think the biggest asset that Jordan has worked on, and and what's got to consider be better, is his mental side of the game. It, you know, he's the way he's, he's he's dragging that Liverpool team along, and he's not letting anyone's heads go, you know, west or anything like that, and get too carried away. He's kind of saying, you know, he's he speaks well to the media. You know, he puts hundred and ten percent in. Every single time he does something on the pitch or off the no, pitch, no, he doesn't. No one puts 110% in. <laughs> well, no you know one hundred and ten percent. No one does because just... you can't. <laughs> but, um, you know, and uh, and obviously he, he's one of the hardest workers in the game. You know, it's 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 an own story that he was pulled out of training at one point because his heart rate was too high because the intensity was <laughs> too much. Um, and he's just an example, you know, to I think to, to young lads who are playing football and getting into it and have aspirations to do really well with it, and and how you should conduct yourself and what you should do for the team. Really,
0: why doesn't he get the credit then, Fergal? Why isn't
2: he rated as one of the best midfielders in the country? Perception. Um, I think it comes down to something as simple as non-Liverpool fans will love to tell you this story of how superstars at the back, superstars up top, but midfield average. Um, And I think since Jurgen Klopp's come in, that's been a thing that's been unfairly levelled at him unfairly levelled at Liverpool, Um, and I think what he's done is, as Jurgen Klopp tends to do, ignores this sort of negative criticism because it doesn't benefit him or Liverpool Football Club, and instead of looking for individuals in the middle of the park, he's made them into a system, and I think as a system, they're the best midfield in Europe. Individually, yeah, you can look at someone like Kevin De Bruyne with Man City or Frankie de Jong with Barcelona and, and say, yeah, individually, they've got better qualities than certain Liverpool midfielders, but as a system, it's the best there is, and Klopp, to his credit, and Henderson, to his credit as well, they're not interested in being individual stars. And Henderson's a perfect example of that. Obviously, Steve mentioned before what he adds in recent games. I think it's been his performances after that win against Leicester on Boxing Day where he refuses to let standards drop, refuses. You see him having a go at players if they give the ball away Mm. at full time. He's not happy if they haven't won well, if they've been hanging on. And even the Wolves game last night... Those last 15, 20 minutes when things were clicking between Adama Traore and Raul Jimenez, he's constantly demanding. He's covering ground. He's making sure that players who have got a bigger profile than him, the likes of Van Dijk, he was shouting at Van Dijk to make sure he was in position last night. And I think when you look at Henderson, some people do kind of choke on their words to praise him for for whatever reason that is, generally because of the, the colour shirt he wears for his club, I think. Let's be realistic about this. Um, for me, he's the most mentally strong player in the Premier League right now this is a man who's obsessed with winning the Premier League there's better players in that team and there's more superstar names in that team but this guy is obsessed with lifting up that trophy in May
0: is he potentially I mean I'll say when you'll say if Steve Liverpool win that Premier League
1: title okay, will he go down as one of the greatest captains that Liverpool has ever had yes I think you know, because of the set, you know the setbacks and what he's had to do to achieve it. Because, you know, we showed early early promise at Sunderland, which which Marley was a fan of, and um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and he's he's famously, obviously, the, the, you know, Man United w- were interested in him and Liverpool have paid the eighteen million quid for him. And Fergie's backed out the deal because he said he can't run properly because he he, got, he runs through his knees, and that's something that's followed him round. I think. Um, you know throughout his career but in terms of what he's achieved at Liverpool Football Club or what he could achieve you know come the end of the season he's got to be up there and you know if mm. Liverpool do end up winning the title after you know a 30 year absence of doing that obviously a couple of European trophies in the in the meantime and domestic stuff but he's got to be consider- mm. considered an, an esteemed company for me you, you know because Steven Gerrard never won the title you know, and he won Champions League. Jordan's won the Champions League. He's, you know, he's won domestic cups. Jordan's won domestic tr- cups. Yep. You know, world champion. You know, Stephen Gerrard didn't do that. But obviously, there's a disparity in the players, you know, yeah. because Gerrard was out of this world and, and Jordan Henderson is for different reasons. But he's got to be considered in that company. He's got to be. And I, I would argue till I'm blue in the face with anyone who, who says otherwise. Incidentally, out of the whole of Fantasy Premier League, so six million
0: people play Fantasy Premier League at the moment. 37 people decided the triple captain Jordan Henderson this (coughs) week which meant they got the assist and the goal and obviously tripled their points so they obviously knew something was going on with Henderson this week
2: how many points is that just out of interest I
1: don't know (laughs) it's it's like Fergal said you know he's not fashionable is he no you know and and that's the thing with Jordan that that is 29 points and I think um, you know if for me he's an absolute shoo-in for the Premier League team of the year I think and now a lot of people listen to the podcast will say I'm talking not for the first time. <laughs> uh, exactly, yeah, yeah. You, I'll line him up, you knock him down. Um, but he's not fashionable, so we probably won't get in
2: there because people are going to be kind of saying, well, he won't. You know. No, I think he will. Yeah. I think he will. I think he will. Yeah, well, I hope so. The, the, the Premier League team of the year is voted for by players. Am I right in saying yeah, it's the players that vote for it? the various ones, isn't there? I think the one, though. The PFA team of the, the year. The PFA, yes, thank you. <laughs> I can't even think of that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think players that play against him and with him, crucially, see what he does. Mm. Uh, I think outside of that realm, yeah, there's going to be people that will be only too happy to kind of take something away from him. Yeah,
0: There's not a lot we can say about the game itself. Obviously, at 1-1, Wolves showed a load of ambition and they pushed for that winner, but Liverpool just did what Liverpool have done all season and did enough to secure victory late on. The only slight negative maybe for Liverpool is Mane going off injured mm. in the first half. Now, Klopp said that, Mane felt something in his hamstring, which certainly plays down any concerns that it's a long-term injury. But I guess that's the advantage. If you've 16 points at the lead, if you've got a 16-point lead in the Premier League, you can afford to be a little bit cautious and take players off and rest them a little bit and just Mm. protect them a little
2: bit more. I mean, he was never going to play the FA Cup game against Shrewsbury this weekend. So now Klopp's probably looking at it. He's got 10 days um, to go through physiotherapy with the club's medical staff and, and get himself fit for the, for the West Ham game. Yeah. Uh, there's a fair chance that he might be rested for that as well, if mm-hmm. he's not 100%. Because, as you say, they've got this massive cushion that they can then go, no, we'll wait until the weekend and, and keep him for the Southampton game, play a Rigi or someone like that ag- yeah. against West Ham. He might do.
1: He put Oxley chamberlain out left last mm-hmm. night, didn't he? And he, he brought Minamino on. And, um, you know, so he has got options there, but... It's systematic about the volume of games that we have to play in this country at the coldest time of the year, you know, and it's just, I mean, that's a whole different, you know, episode, but it's, uh, I'm glad it's just, you know, three games estimated and not any more than that, really. There is a bit of a
0: Premier League respite, as Fergal said, this weekend as football turns its attention to the FA Cup instead of the Premier League. There's going to be a full preview of all the games tomorrow morning with Fergal, with At McGinley, Sam Lee and Ty Marshall all in the studio for that one. So make sure you have subscribed to this podcast so you don't miss that show when it's out. But ahead of that, we're just going to cherry pick a couple of the fixtures that we think is worth keeping an eye on over the weekend. We'll try and rattle through this as quick as possible. We've all picked a fixture each that we fancy for the weekend. I've gone for Tranmere versus Manchester United. (laughs) Have you? I want to talk about it together. (laughs) I just think this feels like it could well be... Another kick in the guts for Oleg on a Solskjaer because I have no idea how he is going to manage this one. It's kind of like a damned if you do, damned if you don't scenario for Solskjaer. On one hand, he needs that respite, he needs that little bit of positivity that will come from Manchester United beating Tranmere. On the other hand, he's got such a threadbare squad at the moment and so lacking in options up front. And when you saw Tranmere's pitch versus Watford, it that says season-ending injury. Mess. It's actually got that written on it. So I've got no idea how it's going to do it. And yeah. I mean, the slight negative is that Tranmere had to play Watford last night, and it went to extra time. and There's going to be some tired legs, and they can't rotate. But I think United could slip mm, up
1: here. I agree with you. I think you know it's got the makings of that cup upset. You know, and I think the fact that Tranmere will probably. Put a full strength team out shows how far Man United have come uh, and the strides <laughs> that they've made. <laughs> you know, but it's uh, I just I'm, I'm with you, Jim. I think you've, you you know you've 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 said what what we're thinking, and I think you know you won't be surprised if Tran may kind of 1-2-1 one, one or something. You'd really fancy it, wouldn't you? I also love the fact. I mean, the pitchers had a load of criticism over,
0: I mean, the first game against Watford was postponed and then last night it looked pretty shocking as well. The fantastically named Mickey Mellon, who is the Tramier boss, Mickey said, <laughs> everyone complains about the pitch, but we've got to play on it more than you have. <laughs> <laughs> you can't fault that
3: logic. No, it's
0: perfect logic, so I love yeah, that. Yeah, but so... by that logic, they should be better on it than everyone else. Yeah, yeah well, that's, oh, that's,
3: that's kind of what he's saying. <laughs> no, <that's exactly
0: laughs> <the case. laughs>
3: yeah, but then he's also
1: moaning about his own pitch. Yeah. I, know, I think it's a bit tongue in cheek. It's a bit, ball, yeah. a bit above. But can you imagine? though, can you imagine if that happens at the weekend? If you if you are only going to Solskjaer, how do you play it? What do you do? You're you've got
0: sick. <laughs> Rashford's out for the season. You're quite short up front. You've got Marsh. Mar- Martial's not going to fancy playing away at Trammere. You've got Mason Greenwood, who's been rested, but at the same time he's been rested for a reason because he's played a lot of games this season. Do you chuck in your first team? Do you? Play your reserves and risk going out. It's it's an impossible situation.
2: I think Sarsgaard's only gonna have one option here, and that's. The- Play a few of his old old war horses. I could see Marcus Rocco playing this. Maybe Eric Bailly coming back. Oh, Rocco, I love it on that. That's day. what I mean. He's I think still at the club. Is, yeah. yeah, he's still knocking is around, he? making so sandwiches or, or something. But he, you know, he'll, he'll put Burning a pair of boots toast. on if he has to. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the only way Solskjaer can do this because, as you say, bad pitch. Tramway will be up for it. Prenton Park will be full, and they'll fancy giving them a bit of a, a bit of a bloody nose. He has to drop in a few experienced heads to just battle through the mud. If it's 1-0, he won't care. And I think mm. given where they are at the minute, United fans won't care. They'll want to just scrape through, get back in the car and, and get the hell out of there. But given all those factors, it's just as likely that Tranmere could trip them over. Because they, they were decent against Watford last mm. night. Good value. Yeah. Mm. Right, Marley, who have you picked from the FA Cup?
3: Um, if, if we're picking slight
0: like upset chances, I think Millwall... At home to Sheffield United, that's a brave call because Sheffield United have been the surprise package in the Premier League. So I'm guessing your logic is they're just not going to take the FA Cup seriously.
3: Yeah, pretty much. Um, I've seen their their cup lineups; they make at least like nine changes, Um, and they just tend to be like not really that bothered about it. Millwall, I know it's a tough atmosphere and that kind of thing, and I just think if they get in the faces and
0: sort of really put it on them. I just think they, they've got a chance there. It would be nice to see Millwall through into the next round, particularly if they get a draw against West Ham. Like you said, I don't know much about what Millwall are like at the moment. They're a fairly inoffensive team in league. I don't know what league is. Championship, championship. championship. now, yeah, yeah. But whether they get to play West Ham <laughs> or not, I guess is dependent on the tie that I know
2: Fergal you have picked. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go for, I'm sorry, Joe, I'm going to go for West Ham, West Brom.
0: The upset would be West Ham winning. Yeah, I think. Well, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't
2: know who I'm going for
0: here in
3: this
2: one. I was
0: going to say
3: we couldn't pick four games and not have West Brom turning over West Ham is one of the picks.
2: Yeah. I think. I think where where West Ham are at the minute, they haven't won in three in the league. The mm. you know, the, the grand Moyes turnaround hasn't really hasn't really kicked in. Yes, he beat Gillingham in the third round. That was his second game after beating Bournemouth. But I just think, given the run of games that you've got coming up, you've got Liverpool back to back, Man City, and Brighton. <sighs> I just don't see Moyes playing any more than three or four of his regular first 11 against West Brom. And because of that, West Brom, yeah, they're doing well in the championship and pushing for a promotion. But Bilic will might see this as an opportunity, get one over West Ham. Mm-hmm. Didn't have the greatest of time there, didn't leave on the best of terms. I think there's so many things being thrown into the pot here that Bilic might just fancy this. And West Brom have not been spectacular. Like Leeds have caught the eye in the championship this season, but they've been solid. They've got lots of experience. And I think Moyes has to make a lot of changes given the games you've got coming up and that will play right into West Brom's hands. I think it's an interesting scenario and I guess
0: Moyes is in a similar place to Solskjaer in that the club so needs a lift and a bit of positivity Mm. at the moment and the fans are crying out for a cup run. I can't see where the points will come from in the Premier League at the moment and you look at that run of games, Brighton is the one you go, ah, there's a chance in that Mm -hmm. one. Next week against Liverpool, it's a write-off. City, you'd say, was a write-off after they beat us 5-0, first game of the season. Another game against Liverpool, it's a horrible February. Yep. So this little kind of glimmer of light could be really important for the, the fans' perception of the club and where the club's heading. But you're right. Do you risk key players? Do you risk a player like Mikel Antonio who gets to play one game in every four because his legs are made of plasticine. It's like, (laughs) what do you
2: do in this scenario if you're David Moyes? And I think Moyes being the way he is, he's captain sensible. Don't risk it. The league's the priority. And he'll be being told that. And we talk about um, fans' impressions of the club. The club of demonstrators we've chatted quite a few times, the club don't seem particularly concerned of fan perceptions of them. Mm. In fact, the opposite, based on what's been going on of late. And I think Moyes knows his brief is... Don't get sucked into a relegation battle. You need everyone fit for these league games. Mm. The Cup, take it or leave it. Despite what West Ham fans want Mm. or think, David Moyes doesn't think like that. And it will be badly received if West
0: Brom give us a tonking, which I think is very, very possible.
3: To be fair, I'm just looking at West Brom's form. They haven't won in the last five.
0: They've dropped off a lot, yeah.
3: Yeah. Two of their three defeats in the league
0: this season have came in the last five games. I think it sounds like a terrible game, to be honest with you. (laughs) It could be. It sounds like it's going to be absolute dross. Uh, You can get a full preview of every single FA Cup game on tomorrow morning's podcast. Make sure you have subscribed to Football Social Daily to get that. We're going to take a little break and we're going to come back and talk transfers next. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Premier League updates. Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily. There are seven days left of the transfer window and pretty much absolutely nothing has happened (laughs) of note yet. But maybe the last week of transfers is going to really catch light. I've taken some stories that have caught my eye off the back pages of the papers, some transfers that may or may not be happening in this final week. And we're going to kick off with Manchester United, who, as we all know, are in the hunt for some firepower at the moment after the injury to Marcus Rashford. He's out for the season. And supposedly, according to Tuto Sport, Manchester United could be making a surprise move to re-sign Boca Juniors' 35-year-old Argentinian
2: forward, Carlos Tevez. Wow.
0: Someone convince me this is a good idea.
2: Uh I can't. If Manchester United sign Carlos Tevez, or if this story is true, they can just get in the bin. I mean, come on. 35 years of age... He's out of contract with Boku at the end of the season. On what planet is this a good idea?
0: It's not just that he's thirty-five either. He's thirty-five, and for the last five years, he's been playing either in Brazil or China. Yeah, like he's not been. Pl- it's not like when they signed Ibrahimovic, and he'd been playing top-flight football. Yeah, yeah, it's he's been playing at
2: championship level. Yeah. He could be ideal for Tranmere though if they if they get him in before the weekend. He he could be leading the line at Brenton Park. I mean, if you're talking about bringing in the kind of older, more
0: experienced Ford, then the links with Edison Cavani surely make more sense than bringing in Carlos Tevez to mm. Old Trafford. Yeah, I yeah,
3: think yeah. He's so. yeah. um, on big wages, though, isn't he? Cavani, exactly, exactly. You're not going to get Cavani wrapped up in seven days. Like he's out of contract in six months. You've then got to negotiate. You know, look how long they've drag this Bruno Fernandes crap on for that's been three transfer windows mm. they're not going to get a guy who's on 300 grand a week who's 32, 33 coming from a massive club like PSG with all his sort of not baggage as in bad baggage but baggage as in he'll, 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 he'll know bags. what he wants he's looking for yeah <laughs> he's he knows what he wants and he's not going to he knows he can get it <clears throat> elsewhere so he's not like he's desperate to join Man United for example so, so. Are you suggesting the Tevez thing might be on the cards no <laughs> I don't think that'll get done either. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's bull.
0: I think it's a to be an attempt from Solskjaer just to bring back more of the Fergie days, isn't it? Yeah. It's yeah. Bringing back his old players. I, next just... week it'll be Bebe and
1: Darren Ferguson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. more more Cleberson's having his medical. Carrington, uh, <laughs> now it's just I think you know Man United and, and transfers an absolute mess. Uh, you know, and this inability to get stuff over the line um, and, and and get these players announced quickly, get them in the squad because they need bodies right now. Um, and obviously the the they're in for fernandes which i'm hearing might be off because the two teams are 10 million apart on mm. on valuation of the player and sporting want more money up front than what united want to put and it's just can't kind of, it's just a joke um and you know i wouldn't be surprised if some off the wall like tevez happened
0: well, let's talk about fernandes because the daily mail are reporting that the bruno fernandes deal is now off uh, apparently 68 million pounds is what sporting lisbon want for him and Joel Glazers said that's just taken the mick and has walked away from the deal. I mean, God, I'm bored of this transfer deal. Mm. I don't understand how Manchester United have messed it up quite so spectacularly when they're £5 million apart or whatever it is from their valuation and Sporting's valuation. Just do it. Just mm. pay the £5 million quid
3: and get the player. If it's that cut and dry, then then it's all on Man United to, to mess it, like in terms of blame, who to blame this, this failure for. Um... But to be fair, Sporting, over the last couple of years, if you look at them and you call them Man United a mess, look at what Sporting have been doing the last couple of years. They had an actual riot at their training ground, which led to (laughs) people walking out and Wolves signing about 10 of the players. Patricio came for nothing, Moutinho as well, they signed. He was formerly there. Um, So they've got their own problems, and I think (laughs) that culture in Portugal is you have to move to a bigger European league. ASAP, and they're trying to probably just um, compensate themselves in future by adding on silly clauses like, if you get this, you need to give us £4 million. If you need, mm-hmm. If he scores 20 goals in a season, you need to give us another five. And I think, I don't think it's a, a secret that they want all this because, as, as we've said, they've been going backwards and forwards with Man United for the last
0: three transfer windows. So Should you, they just walk away? If you, you, At yeah. some point you get the deal and you go... One side Maybe, of the other has yeah. to go. This deal isn't going to happen. Yeah, and you just turn your back and go. Well, we'll chase another player rather than wasting time and energy focusing on this deal.
3: Yeah, I f- I feel sorry for the player himself because he 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 wants to leave and it's clearly not his he it it's not his like problem that mm. the two idiots can not <laughs> sort themselves out. Whoever's in charge of sporting it and then talking to a bloody accountant and trying to thrash out a a clause ridden massive deal where how everybody are, wants a cut of
0: something. How wanted must that make him feel as well? Or unwanted, rather, considering we know how fragile footballers' yep. egos are. The yeah. fact that you've got two clubs haggling over relatively small amounts of money in footballing terms. yeah, It surely isn't going to make him feel that welcome or that, that keen on going to Manchester United. Mm.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think the problem <laughs> they've, they've got is that... Um, sorry, Marley. The, the problem yes, they've man? got is that... Um, sporting are in financial dire straits, you know, so mm. so they feel like they're getting the pistol of them a little bit in terms yeah. of all this. These they need bits as and much money up front, exactly, well, yeah, like and that's they why they're it. pushing that up. And and United and they know that United are desperate to sign players in this window, so it's it's. I think it's whoever's going to blink first on it, really, isn't it? And you know, to to get it over the line, and I think maybe it does need a bit of mediation for someone to come in and go actually try and facilitate it you know what I mean because I think you get to next week the players head's going to be wrecked United still haven't got the players that they wanted um, the other thing on Fernandez for me is that there was a few clubs in for him in summer and they, they generally they all backed out of it they all yeah. had a change of heart on him which I think there's a little red flag there for Man United but that deal as well
0: Let's finish with some worrying news for Arsenal now this is coming from Mundo Deportivo in Spain apparently <coughs> Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is open to a move to Barcelona which is nice of him It's be interesting to know whether Barcelona are open to a move for Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang but I'm, I'm
3: also open to leaving my fiancée <laughs> for Kate Upton if she's interested if she's listening
2: this how long have you got left on your contract Marty that's what you got to think uh, uh, up your numbers.
3: well until she listens to this
2: podcast
1: so never imagine if she turns around these misses and says like and I, you know what I will listen to what he does in yeah. the day and work just as a one off Like she's he's just,
2: always talking but, about yeah, his podcast yeah, like, yeah, and, go
1: and she hears him saying oh you want to
0: trade me up for Kate Upton well, okay. at least she say a bit of money on the wedding
1: Marley oh. Yeah, think of that
0: positive are you getting married yeah when are you getting married June I don't oh. think we need to talk about this in the podcast <laughs> <laughs> I mean we try and keep it focused on the Premier League and not the Championship Marley's wedding is a real de- 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 departure from that Mine's going to be a proper League <laughs> 2 wedding <laughs> Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang you're the Arsenal fan Fergal I mean it might not be Barcelona but there's a lot of noises that suggest he's going to be going somewhere it might not be in January
2: but it's going to happen, isn't it? It's going to be in the summer. Yeah, I think it's more likely than a lot of Arsenal fans think. But I would be more open to it than than you might think or, or many Arsenal fans would be. Because, again, numbers. He's 31 in the summer. He's only got a year left in his contract at the end of this season. Mm. The likelihood is he's not going to sign an extension. Even if he did, we'd then be given an extension to a 32-year-old striker who's heavily reliant on his, on his pace and his movement. Um, I'm not saying necessarily cash in on him, but... I, I've always said, in terms of the captaincy, he wasn't the right candidate for it. It's not his fault that he was given to him, but I don't think he's as committed to Arsenal as a long-term project or Arteta as a long-term project mm. as certain other players are. Arteta is trying to cultivate the young players that are coming through and also buying a younger uh, a, a younger average age. He's trying to bring down the average age of the squad. Um, David Luiz is doing his bit as well by getting himself suspended all the time. <laughs> um, and I think... Whilst this move might sound mad that uh, we'd be selling our top goal scorer, I think as long as it's not done before the end of this window, mm. as long as there's a sensible That'd conversation, that wouldn't it? That would be. I mean, like I don't think we'd get Europa League if he left. I'll be honest mm. with you. I think we would finish mid-table, which would be a disaster for for the club. Um, so he has to stay at least until the end of the season. And then if there's an offer on the table, if Barcelona are panicking because Suarez's injury problems and the fact that he's knocking on. Um, and they want to go for him and they don't want to spend big money on a younger striker to build a longer-term project, let that be Barcelona's problem. If they want to spend £40 on him when he's only got 12 months to run at the Emirates, Hmm. I'd be open to it, provided that £40 is then intelligently invested in another striker.
0: It doesn't feel like the best timing for Arsenal, though, to lose him in the summer, because they're in this transitional period. Their status as a club, you'd hope was going to rise under Arteta as he develops his style of football at the club the young players aren't ready to kind of step into that role to lead the line yet you kind of want him for that extra 12 months so you can either see the development of the young players or the status rises and you can attract the
2: right level of player that Arsenal need I would yeah but again I think that's in theory if we're talking about a theoretical Aubameyang I don't think he himself (laughs) uh, that'd be a great name theoretical (laughs) Aubameyang Um, that's a good name for a podcast (laughs) that's his brother (laughs) maybe we'll buy him um I do. I just think, again, a year left, and he doesn't seem to be someone that's massively um, on board with with Arsenal, you know, the social media nonsense, you know, you take a fair fair pinch of salt with that, but I I do think when you look at him, he doesn't seem like a captain to me. He, Mm. He looks to me, which is what he is, a consistent goal scorer, and, as you say, gives a level of experience, but... That twelve months is that if he stays for another twelve months, is that really going to help Reece Nelson or Joe Willock or uh, Ainsley Maitland-Niles or, or Bukayo Saka? Not really, mm. um, because they've got other players in that squad that are maybe only a few years older than them that they can look at. Someone like Bayerin, someone like Matteo Guedesi, that Lucas Torreira, they can look at those players and go, "Well, no, they're enough of an example. We don't necessarily need someone of the name of Abamyang."
0: Right. We'll leave it there. Thank you very much, Fergal, Marley, Steve. Cheers, lads. Thank you. Football Social Daily. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back again tomorrow morning with the full FA Cup preview and back every single day of the Premier League season. So make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. See you next time. Football Social Daily.
2: Premier League updates.
3: 18 plus.